Praise God. It is wonderful to see everybody here today. We're so glad everyone was able to make it this morning. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us this morning. We welcome you. Amen. And uh, it's a great honor and privilege, awesome to have Brother and Sister Carlos and Zenobia Williams and their family with us this morning. So glad they're here. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to that thing called a Bible in case you forgot what that is. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Don't forget today after we're done, we need your help. We've got to break everything down because this is a... Sunday morning only weekend because of Antioch United. So if you could help us, many hands make light work. And we have, we've got this thing down to a science now. So if you could do us a favor and help us, if anything, just pick up your chair and put it back on the rack. That would be awesome. If you're not physically able to do it, we understand. But if you're able to help us, that would be great. First John chapter 1, verse number 5. First John 1. Verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 7. But if we walk in the light, He is in the light. And we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. There's something in that verse I want you to see that probably we read it and we don't even recognize it's in there. If we walk in the light, He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. There's something there that's interesting. If we're really walking in the light, why do we need to be purified from sin? If we're walking in the light, then why is there a necessity for cleansing of sin? I want to talk to you today as the Lord will help us with this. Dirty feet. Dirty feet. I want to talk about your dirty feet. Before you get scared, I'm not going to ask you to take off your shoes and socks because you haven't clipped your toenails in ten years. Or your feet look like the aftermath of an alien abduction or something crazy like that. We're not going to talk about your natural feet, but we're going to talk about your dirty spiritual feet. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus, His Son, shall cleanse us from all sin. If we are walking in the light... If we are walking in the light, 
then why is there a necessity for the cleansing of the blood if we're already in the light? There may be several possibilities of answers here, and there may be some of you that have a differing opinion. And uh, I'm not saying that the way I see it is the only way to see it, but there is one possible answer to this, is that walking in the light does not mean perfection. That has no need of cleansing. In fact, walking in the light is really about being blameless. Because when we say perfection, we are talking about perfect. We're talking about flawless. We're talking about absolutely no mistakes. But biblically, perfection has nothing to do with being flawless. Perfection in biblical sense is a form of completion, maturity. So when we say we walk in the light, it's not referring to the fact as we walk in the light there's not going to be some things in our life they're going to have to deal with. And John says, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, then His blood will cleanse you from your sin. To strive for perfection is not a biblical concept. Because as was stated here, and we just read at the end of that chapter, the fact is, all have sinned, as Romans said. And John even states it further and says, if you haven't sinned, then you're a liar. And I'll go farther than that. In fact, not only are you a liar, but the truth's not even in you if you say you have not sinned. If you think today that to be a Christian or to be and walk in the Christian life requires some semblance of perfection, then you're always going to walk around feeling like a failure. You're always going to walk around feeling like you're no good. But the Bible never requires you to be perfect. In fact, if you could be perfect, then what was the point of the cross? Man already showed us throughout history that even when given a chance, man could not be perfect. You go all the way back to the garden, man had one rule to follow. Don't touch the tree. You can do whatever you want, don't touch the tree. And man couldn't even do that. So man, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the surroundings are, even if you're living in perfection and utopia of the garden and you only have one thing you don't have to do, man can't even do that. So to, to strive for perfection or to live under the pressure that you have to be perfect is not even a biblical concept. But I want to be perfect. What does that mean? I want to be to the point where whatever God is doing in me is complete and I'm perfect to Him, not perfect to my standards. And he says, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, you can have this cleansing. What does that mean? I think to understand a little bit, let's go back for a moment. We read from 1 John. Let's go in now and read from John. And I'm not going to read it in the King James. I'm going to read it from the Living Bible the New Living Bible, because it's a little clearer in that. John chapter 13, verse number 1 says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that His hour had come to leave His world and to return to His Father. He had loved His disciples during His ministry on earth, and now He loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, to portray Jesus, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. 
So he got out, got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said unto him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to be washed except for the feet to be entirely clean. That last verse in another translation says, people who have bathed and are clean all over need to wash just their feet. Are you my, are you, my disciples are clean except one of you? What is Jesus talking about? Well, you've got to understand for a moment, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but you've got to understand the customs of that day. The customs of that day, most of the people wore sandals. It was dusty. It was dirty. And when you went into someone's house as a sign of welcoming you, they would provide for you a basin of water for you to wash your feet, or they would wash your feet for you as a sign of welcoming you to their house. It was a sign to you that, they, that you were welcome, and they would provide for you the ability to wash your feet. In fact, if they didn't give you something to wash your feet, it was actually a sign that you weren't welcomed. And so when Jesus stood down that day and, and got on his knees and began to wash his feet, Peter understood to an degree what he was saying and what he was doing, but also Peter was coming from another mentality, and that was that not only when you walked in, the priest walked into the temple when he washes feet, but he would also wash his hands, and in some cases he would wash his head and be a cleansing. And he says to Jesus, well, if you're going to wash my feet, go ahead, wash my hands, wash my head as well. Go ahead and get me all clean. And Jesus said, there's no need for that. There's no need for me to have to wash your hands and your head as well. If you're already clean, then the only thing you need to do in order to be clean is to wash your feet. What was Jesus saying? Because he says to Peter, you're not understanding quite yet what I'm going to do. You're thinking from this standard of society and customs of today. But what I'm trying to teach you in this is bigger than that. Because Jesus understood that there was coming a day when he was going to go to Calvary and his blood was going to be shed and that blood that was shed on Calvary would be applied to our life. And that you and I have the opportunity to walk into that blood when we are filthy with the sin and sin and stain of life and all the things that we are involved into. But we get in that water and the blood of Jesus Christ washes over us and makes us clean. In fact, the Bible says that we will be clean, white as snow, pure. In that, that process of going into the blood of Jesus, if you've never experienced that today, you have no idea what it's like to feel like there's something inside that you're missing, but you go in that water. It's not magical water. It's just water. 
There's nothing to it. We don't pray over it. We don't say some kind of thing. We don't pour oil into it. We don't have some kind of magic formula. It's just water that comes out of a hose. But when you call on the name of Jesus, something begins to happen in that water. I don't see it. You can't take a sample of it. You can't, you can't figure it out scientifically. But when you go in that water and you say, in the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus, not in the name of Joel, not in the name of Sally, not in the name of Sue, but in the name that's above every name. That Acts 4.12 says, there is no name given among heaven amen, heaven that where we must be saved. When you say that name, all of a sudden something begins to happen. And when you go in that water, you come out a different thing. Cleansed. Washed. I've, I've, I've watched in amazement, even after all these years, and personally, baptizing, at this point, hundreds. It's still amazing to me to watch somebody go in that water and come out and go, my goodness, what just happened? They can't explain it. They don't understand it, but they know something's different. And when you come out of that water and you feel cleansed and all that junk that you didn't even realize you had has been washed away. I liken it to you carry around, you, you get a backpack when you're, when you're for your first birthday. They give you a backpack. Your parents give you a backpack. Friend, loved one, whoever it is, they give you a backpack. And every year after that, on your birthday, we give you a one-pound rock. After ten birthdays, you have ten pounds of rock. On your 21st birthday, you're given your 21st pound of rock. The problem is you've lived with it so long and you've adjusted to it, you don't even realize the weight you carry. Because it's become such a part of you and that backpack you've carried every day of your life, you don't even realize when there's been another pound added to that backpack. And now you're 21 and you're carrying around 21 pounds. Now you're 30, that's 30 pounds. Now you're 40, that's 40 pounds. You're 50, that's 50 pounds. But you don't even know it. You've, you've carried it so long, it's a part of you. You don't know how it was like not to have that weight. But then you come to that water and you get in that water and someone says, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. And when you come out of that water, we're like, wait a minute, where'd the backpack go? I didn't even realize I had it. But I feel something has changed in my life. Something I didn't even realize I had is gone. That's awesome. Problem is, guess what? So far, my theory and my kind of idea hasn't taken hold. And that is, if we're going to get to heaven, the best thing is when you come out of the water, we shoot you there. No one's taken me up on that. I think that's the best way to get to heaven. You get baptized, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. When you come into that water, we shoot you because we know you won't mess it up. You ain't sitting between there and there. <laughs> At least that part we know. From here to here, probably not much sin going on. So we can shoot you and get you to heaven. But you know what? We keep living. Problem is, we're clean, but we got to walk in the dirt of this world. We're clean, but we got to walk around things. we got to be a part of stuff. You can't live spiritual 24-7. you got to go to work. 
You've got to do things. You've got to be a part. You've got lives to live. You've got things you're involved in. You can't be spiritual 24-7. You can't be living in the third heaven all the time. You've got to get down in the world. You've got to walk around in the dust. And guess what happens when you walk around with bare feet? They're going to get dirty. It happens. You're going to get dirty. But Jesus was trying to convey in Scripture to the apostles. There was was some other things that were happening, but one of the things he was trying to tell them is, just because you've got dirty feet doesn't mean you're not clean. Because you know what? We live in this world. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Maybe one of us in here today is perfect. When we find out who you are, you get the microphone. God bless you. But we're not perfect. And we've got life we've got to live. And we get involved in stuff and we make mistakes. And even John goes and says, if you say you don't have sin, then you're not even telling the truth. So does that mean God rejects us every time we make a mistake? I won't ask you to respond to this. Please don't respond because I'm not going to respond to this. I'm asking the question, but I'm not even responding. How many of you over the last month prayed more than five times? I'm not talking about, Lord, thank you for this McDonald's. I appreciate it. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch it and don't let it add any more to me. Make it calorie free in Jesus' name. I saw an advertisement for this thing the other day. I got to deviate for a second. I saw this thing, the advertisement the other day to make fat-free, healthy fried food. (laughs) I'm not getting that combination there. And the other day was to, this this is scary. I have to tell this. I didn't get a chance. We haven't been together, so I got to get some stuff off my chest. I think it was like New Year's Eve or something. One of the times we had that prayer meeting or whatever it is, and we were hungry and everything was closed. And so the one thing that had to be open was the Golden Arches. So we went to McDonald's down by the Bay Bridge, and we're in the line, and uh, we, 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 we order our food. And uh, I, I had ordered, a, uh, I think, a cheeseburger, two cheeseburgers, something like that. And I'm in line, and we're sitting there, we're waiting, and we're waiting and waiting. And finally, the guy comes to the window and says, uh, it's going to be a little longer. Uh, he said, we got to go cook some real meat. <laughs> yeah, you heard it correctly. I was like, back up the truck, brother. You said, cook what? He said, we got to go cook some real meat. What were you going to give me? <laughs> What's the other option besides real meat? Uh, needless to say, I prayed hard over that. But let's say today, how many of you prayed five times in the last month? I'm not talking about praying for your food. I'm not talking about, you know, Lord, you know, help me not kill this person who cut me off in traffic. But genuinely prayed. How many of you prayed three? How many of you prayed one? And you come in here and you know what? We feel that way. Oh, God, well, you know, this is all the stuff I haven't done. This is all the stuff I did. And I come in here and I feel, I feel like, Something's wrong. If it truly was a major deal, I said it earlier, 
If we came in here like that, God's conviction would pour over us. But you know the problem is, instead of feeling conviction, we feel love. What are you talking about? Whoa, 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 whoa. I haven't been living that perfect life. He's saying, you know what? You got dirty feet, but we can take care of dirty feet. It's one thing to come in from the outside. I remember years ago, we were on a camping trip and, uh, with, a, with an extended family, and uh, my brother has two boys, and his oldest boy, Timothy, uh, he was probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. I don't remember the time, maybe a little younger than that. And Timothy had found a mud puddle. And without his parents' knowledge, had enjoyed that mud puddle to the fullest. And he had tried to figure out how much of that mud puddle he could wear, and he was covered with that mud puddle. If you'd have taken him in and washed him and made him clean, and he would have gone right back into that mud puddle, guess what? Chances are he's going to get the mud back on him again. I'm not giving you an excuse today or trying to preach to you an excuse that you can come to God, get cleansed, and walk out of here and jump right back head and heels in the same junk that God pulled you out of. This is not a license to go out and do what you want to do. Well, the preacher said, I got dirty feet, so let's get them really dirty. Some we're talking about today. The part is, if you walk in the light, there's the clause in the contract. What are you doing? You're walking in the light. What does that mean? That word walk there is to progress, meaning I'm doing my best. What's my best? My best is what I have today. Tomorrow may be better than what I have today, and it may be better than what I have yesterday. Today may be less than what I have tomorrow. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is I'm doing my best I can to walk in the light. I'm trying my best to live for God the best I know how. I'm trying to love Him. I'm walking in the light. But guess what? To walk in the light, you're not going to avoid all the stuff and the mud puddles. You're going to get dirty. And this idea that somehow living for God is going to require or requires some sense of perfection that all of a sudden you walk around and you never have a bad thought, you never have a bad deed, you never do anything wrong is absolutely false because that's why the blood of Jesus never stops flowing. It's not a bucket, it's a river. It's not a one-time application. It's a free-flowing river that every time I need it, it's there. And I may be only talking to one person today, and that's okay. But to that one person that the Holy Ghost is trying to reach for, that you're, kind, you're constantly living in this cycle of condemnation where you feel like because you're not doing everything you're supposed to be doing, that somehow you're failing and you're no good, and let's, let's give up and let's quit. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. That's not God. Don't forget, you've heard this before, but i got to say it again. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Not the same thing. There's a difference. Conviction and condemnation are not the same. What's the difference? Conviction comes from where? God. How do I know it's conviction? What's conviction? Conviction points out my flaws, but draws me to the cross. Conviction says... You shouldn't, that, that's wrong, but if you would let me, I'll help you and forgive you. And you know what you do? God, help me, help me, help me, help me. 
That's why it's important for us as a church. And give me a second. Time out. Let me pastor for five seconds. That's why it's important for us, the church, to love everybody. Not to judge anyone. It's to love everybody. If they come in here and they got spiky hair and it's covered like the rainbow, to love them. Why? Because we're not the ones to convict. Let God convict. Why? Because my conviction is going to send them that way, but His conviction is going to send them this way. To love and to, to accept Him is not giving a stamp of approval to the lifestyle. My kids do stuff that I don't approve of. But I still hug them and give them a hug at night and tell them I love them every night. I don't approve of what they do, but I still love them. We can have people come in here from every walk of life. And in the, in the world we live in, that's a big, big, big definition from every walk of life. And we can come in here and we can love them and we can make them feel like they're a million dollars. But does it mean that somehow we're compromising on what we believe or somehow we're giving? That's not what it is. I don't know why I'm on this. I'm just on it. Because you know what? God forbid that one person walks in here. If they're going to get help, folks, where are they going to get help? Oh, can you just give me a second? This is one of my soapboxes. I got to get on it and hopefully Lord will kick me off here in a second. If they're going to get help, where are they going to get help? They're not going to get it down at the bar. They're not going to get it. God forbid with the government, they're not going to get it. They're only going to get it here. And if they can't come in here and get help, where are they going to get it? Do you realize we live in one of the worst places in the nation? Little old Anne County is one of the worst places in the nation for heroin. You don't believe me? Go read it. Odington, which is right near here. Pasadena, which is not far from here. I have some of the highest heroin addiction rates in the nation. We're not talking about Baltimore, D.C., Chicago, New York, L.A., Odington, and Pasadena have some of the highest, I believe I read somewhere, and I don't know who tracks all this, I believe somewhere I read that Pasadena is like, at one point was top five in the nation per capita heroin addiction. If you think it's crazy, those of you that drive around this area, you remember when the police, the county police, used to put out that big whiteboard that tracked the number of uh, drunk driving deaths? They don't do that anymore. You know what they put out there? Heroin. Now they track heroin. It's become that big of an epidemic. If you think those people are going to find help somewhere else, we just heard the other day just to get into a rehab facility was, correct me, around $30,000. They wanted $30,000 for insurance. How many heroin addicts do you think are really walking around with good health insurance? I'm saying all that. I'm not trying to be to, to deviate. I'm saying if they're going to get help, they've got to get help here. And the conviction of God is able to point out. But conviction points out what's going on in our life and pushes us to the, to the cross. But condemnation points out what's wrong in our life but pulls us away from the cross. Conviction says what you're doing is wrong. 
but if you'd let me help you, I'll help you through this. Condemnation says what you're doing is wrong and you're no good, you're worthless. Why even come to church? And most of us in this room, we battle more with condemnation than we do with conviction. We battle more with condemnation, feeling like when we make a mistake or we do something wrong, we feel worthless. And what's the point? Why do we even want to come to church? Why do we want to lift my hands? Because I'm no good and God's not going to love me anyways. I'm fully rejected. What was going on with that boy in the pig pen? He was battling with condemnation. Condemnation pulls us away. But the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Woo, praise God. Except, there's a clause to that. To them who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. One of my favorite quotes of all time, and I've changed it a little bit because it's a little wordy, but I've changed it. It's not where you stand, but the direction where you're facing. I'm speaking to somebody today to tell you you're concerned of where you're standing, but God's more concerned the direction you're facing. You're so concerned today where you are in the chart of life and the line between you and God. God really can take care of that. Come on. He took a carpenter to a savior in a day. <laughs> he can speed up the process if need be. He's not worried about where you are in the timeline. He's more concerned about the direction you're facing. The distance, he can handle the distance. Whether you think you're next to God and you're his first cousin, or you're so far away you can't see him with the latest optical devices of this world. It doesn't matter to him how far, how close, as long as you're standing the right way. Because you know what? What good is it to be standing right next to him, but facing in the wrong direction? Today, you know what? God's only asking, He's only asking you, just face my direction. Just turn in my direction. You might have dirty feet today, but that's okay. That's why I went to Calvary. That's why my blood's still here. You're always going to have some dirty feet. Every day you got dirty feet. Let's hope to God, most of us in this room, I'm sure there's a few exceptions, at least wash our feet once a day. Naturally <laughs> and spiritually. But if somehow today, I know it's been a month and, 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 and it's been a little while since we've, done, we've been in church and our minds are easily distracted. I read this yesterday and I, was, it was, I knew it, but it was amazing to see it. Microsoft did a study last year on the attention span of millennials. And because of technology and social media that now millennials, according to Microsoft's study, have the attention span of eight seconds. In case you're wondering, that is less than a goldfish. True. That now millennials' attention span is less than a goldfish. We're moving in the right direction, I think. And you know what? We are flesh, and it's easy for us to distract. And I know we get out of the routine, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm rapidly closing. I'm just asking someone today, just consider... It's not where you're standing that matters to God as much as the direction that you're facing. It's not how spiritual you are or spiritually you're not. 
It doesn't matter what the mistakes you make, mistakes you're not. You know what? You're never going to get it all right. And the idea that somehow one of these days I'm going to figure this out. And when I figure this out, boy, I'm going to really get close to Jesus. You'll never figure it out. I said this the other day. I was talking to somebody. You cannot steer a ship that's underway. A ship cannot be, cannot be, cannot be steered unless it's underway. Why? Because the dynamics of that rudder require water to flow underneath of it. If that water's not flowing underneath of it, there's no way for the water to press against that rudder and to make that ship, boat, whatever it is, steer, turn. There has to be water. It can be a lot of water moving at a very fast speed or it can just be barely moving. Whatever the speed is, it's not as much important as if there's water moving. You know what? Grace is an amazing thing. Grace working in my life is an amazing thing because grace gives me the ability to do things that I never thought were possible. I say it this way, is that here's where you supposed to be, and here's where you can get on your best day. There's always going to be a space between where you should be and where you can be. You know what that space is called? Grace. Because you'll never get to where you think you should be or where God's calling you to be without His grace. Because if you could get there on your own, you wouldn't need Him. Grace is an empowerment to do and to become something we cannot be on our own. But you know what? Grace only works when there's movement. Just like that ship cannot be steered without movement, grace cannot empower something that is not moving. The Bible says we walk boldly. Boldly to the throne to receive grace. You know what? Some of us, we may be walking faster than others today. Some of us, we may be just blessed to get one foot in front of the other but the key is am I walking am I at least am I trying to make progress am I trying it might be as slow and painful as it can be but am I walking forward if that's the case then God is at work in your life and he's giving you the grace whether or not you realize it or not but as long as you're giving him something to work with that's all I'm feeling today to tell you it is just give God something to work with no you may not be up here next week prophesying and we may not hand you the microphone next week and you give us great revelation from all the stuff you've got from the Bible, but what about just get one foot in front of the other? Well, you know what? But but I'm not doing everything I'm supposed to do. Who is? But I'm not I'm not right. I'm not perfect. Who is? But but I can do it so much better. Who couldn't? I could do better if I obviously we all can. I never wa- I never laid down on my bed. Literally never. This is not an exaggeration. I never laid down on my bed and said, boy, I knocked it out of the park today. I was just, wow. I'm going to take a selfie because I need to remember this day. I was on fire. Oh, my goodness. Was I ever good. Like, look at my wife. How can you even lay in the bed with this perfection? My goodness. I'm just, I'm just, I was amazing today. I never... 
You know what the saddest thing is? Even the greatest times God's used me, I never, I've never ministered, preached, whatever, that I walked out and go, boy, boy, those people were just honored to even stand and hear me today. I mean, it just, you know what I'm thinking about? Okay, God, did I do everything you told me to do? Did I say everything you told me to say? Did I leave anything out? Did I add anything to it? Because you know what? I'm never going to be perfect. And I, you can pray all you want, but he's never going to take this stuff away. So you know what? Can you just give God something to work with? You say, well, I, I don't know if I can do it all. Join the club. I've never seen one person in 36 years of being in church, I've never seen one person that got to the baptism and said, you know what? I don't really need this. I'm good. I'm, I can handle this on my own. I can do all. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. No. Every person ever baptized recognizes that I need help. And this is my help. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Maybe one person. I don't know if I'm talking to myself. I don't know. I feel something in my spirit today. I don't know who's out there that's listening. I don't know, I don't know what you've come in here today expecting. And, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I say that not as a cop-out, but I can just feel this pull in my spirit. And I can't find who you are. I don't know who you are. You're hiding well. But there's somebody in here today. I'm just asking, stop trying to figure out how to do it perfectly and just do something. Move forward. Take a step. You say, well, I'm not doing as good as others. Who cares how you're doing it? As long as you're doing something. Stop worrying about where you are and just focus on the direction you're facing. You know what? I know it's, we, I'm going to contradict myself to a little bit. You know what? You're here today. <laughs> That's a victory. I, I, look, I know it's a little bit of contradiction because I'm often the one to say coming to church won't save you, but it's at least a start. <laughs> let's, let's step back. You're here today. Do you know it's not easy? You've been out of the routine. We've been having those late services, which have been, I got to admit to you, boy, I can get used to that. But you're here today. You say, well, I haven't, I haven't ran the aisles. I haven't jumped up and down. I haven't fallen on the floor. I haven't wept and cried. Maybe not, but you're here. Give God something to work with. Would you just take a moment right where you are and just close your eyes? And I want you to pray and ask the Lord this in your own words. Not, not my words, but in your own words. I want you to say, Lord, by your grace, help me. By your grace, help me. God, I, I, I want to move forward. I, I want to keep walking in the light. But Lord, I got some dirty feet today. I need your grace to help me today. Stop trying to avoid the dirt. You can't avoid the dirt. The moment you walk out of this room today, your feet are going to get dirty. It's not dirty feet that's the problem. It's the fact of, are you facing in the right direction? Are you facing in the right direction? Oh, Jesus, help us today. Lord, I can feel your love in this place today. I can feel your love tugging for somebody. It may be one, but that's okay, God. These are your people. You see every thought. You see every word, you see every deed, you see every action. God, you even know who we are down to the number of hairs on our head. 
And God, tonight, today I can feel, I can feel it in my spirit. You're pulling for somebody. Your love is reaching for somebody. I pray, God, today that you would give us help, that you would give us grace, that your grace and your mercy would flow in this place today, that your blood would flow over us today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, help us today. Help us today. Help us today. Come on, folks. I, I, we don't have to be very loud, but just keep in this moment of prayer. I can feel the love of Jesus. I'm, I'm not saying that because it's the thing to say. I can, I can feel God reaching in this room for somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, help us today. Jesus, help us today. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us. If you're on the verge of giving up today because you feel like you're not perfect, you're not actually in a bad place, you're actually in a great place because you do need to give up. But instead of giving up on your, giving up on God, give up on yourself and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I need you. Give up and let Jesus take over. Give up and give Jesus an opportunity. Don't quit and say, well, I'll never be perfect. I'll never be any good. I might as well, give, I might as well stop coming and give out of church. Just go back and just go crazy. That's not the answer. The answer is you, you need to give up. But stop giving up on God and give up on that perfection. Give up on that strive to be this perfect person and just realize, God, I need you now, today, more than I needed you yesterday. Tomorrow I'm going to need you more than I do today. Every day I get up, I need you more. Because every day I get up, I realize I'm just living in this framework of flesh. And I need you. Oh, Jesus. Can we just do a favor? Do me a favor. Would you just reach over next to somebody by you? Maybe just pull, hold, take them by the hand. Put your hand on their shoulder. Let's just pray one for another. Come on. Let the grace of God flow in this room for a moment. We may not even do anything beyond this. It may not even get any louder than this. That's okay. Jesus, 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 help us today, Father. Help us today, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Come on, just another moment. Just another moment. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let your grace flow in this place today, Jesus. Let your grace flow in this place today. Oh. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just another few seconds. Come on, I, 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 can't, I can't let go of my spirit. I feel like there's somebody that's making a choice today. 
You're, you're, you're letting God help you. Come on, you're letting God help you. Just let Him help you. Hallelujah. and our goings. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak that you would bless this congregation, this people, with a revelation again and again of your grace. I speak grace to be at work in this place. I speak grace to be at work in every heart and every life. I speak grace to walk with us. I speak grace to go with us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Praise God, praise God, praise God. God bless you. Don't forget, help us break down also tonight, 6 p.m., Antioch United. Bishop Wright will be speaking. God bless you.